Hello, and welcome to Horrific Tales. In this show, we like to celebrate the creations of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like, subscribe, and share these videos to help get our friends as much exposure as possible. We would also appreciate it if you could support our friends by following them on their independent platforms and by purchasing their works. Details on how to do so will be in the show notes. On this episode, we let you know why it's a bad idea to take someone home on a dark, stormy night. Please join us now as we present to you Passenger by Ellie Beals. In this story, a man finds out just how terrifying an experience picking someone up on a dark road in the middle of nowhere can be. The only good thing about driving in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere is perhaps the lack of other motorists on the road. When it's just me, I feel free of something. Call it responsibility. I can speed if I want, I can drive as slow as I please, and no one is there to honk or judge me silently. I can sing to my favorite songs as loud as I please without feeling awkward if anyone happens to be looking. I know, I shouldn't care about that, but I do. The downside to this solitude is that if something does go wrong, I'm pretty much on my own. I can't help myself from thinking about the worst possible scenarios and begin running myself through them like a movie to see how well I do. Sometimes I would either make it to safety unscathed or be mauled by a bear, or even murdered by cannibalistic hill people. Thoughts like these is gasoline for my creative engine that powers my writing these days. Little what-ifs and situations that tumble around in my head, like rough stones that would eventually become smooth, polished stories. When asked what I do for a living, I don't say writer, because for me, it's basically a hobby, a compulsion that allows me to translate my thoughts into narratives, and sometimes people pay me for it. Sometimes, just not often enough to call it a living. If pressed on the subject of my writing, even the vaguest hint of interest will sometimes incite a conversation about favorite books or segueing to film and TV. Stephen King comes up frequently, and very rarely will anyone show genuine interest in reading my stuff. I don't take it personally anymore, as I find that pressuring people to read my work often has the opposite effect. Like trying to get someone to watch a TV show I'm into, and then constantly harassing them about it until they actively avoid that show and or me out of spite. I guess I just let it happen naturally, and maybe, just maybe, the all-powerful they will take notice, and I can with some level of confidence call myself an author. But for now, I am a customer service rep for a furniture company that writes horror stories in his spare time. I am about three hours into the four-hour drive to my aunt's beach house she rents out in the summer to vacationers. It being mid-February, the small beach town would be largely vacant. The two miles of hotels, pancake houses, and mini golf courses would be idle, waiting for clear skies and warm weather to be thrown with people again. But even with the lack of tourism this time of year, most of the places remain open, and I'm looking forward to a post-drive basket of chicken and biscuits and maybe a few beers before settling in to do some serious riding. The road curves to the right, and as it begins to level out to its usual straight, narrow, tree-lined corridor, I see something that makes my heart leap into my throat. A young woman standing directly ahead on the side of the road, waving me down like a cheerleader on a Friday night. She stands out like a neon sign against a backdrop of starless night sky. 
bright pink tank top and almost white blonde hair that practically glows in the headlights. Now, I am not in the habit of picking up hitchhikers in the middle of the night. Perhaps I am a bit disarmed at the sight of her, so beautifully out of place and in obvious distress. If it were a hulking man in a raincoat, I would have kept on motoring. A small voice inside my head insists that this is exactly the kind of ploy a hook-wielding maniac just hiding out of sight would use. Despite my imaginings, I slow, keeping a level focus on the tree line behind her just in case. I stop and roll down the window. Jesus, it's freezing out here. How is she wearing that outfit and not hypothermic, I think to myself. She's barefoot and steps gingerly over to the passenger side and leans over to peer in at me. It's hard to tell how old she is, perhaps that nebulous age and shape where she could either be 15 or 25. She is smiling and says in clear Southern California beach babe tones, Can you give me a ride? My car broke down. She says, gesturing somewhere over there. Though I can't see a car broken down, or otherwise, I can't help but believe her. How else could she be out here? Uh, sure. Aren't you cold? I say, still looking for her car. I shrug and unlock the doors for her. Uh, no? What are you talking about? She giggles and opens the passenger side door, and upon seeing the pile of various stuff in the seat, she clicks her tongue and closes it again. A second later, she is sliding into the back seat passenger side, all while talking about her predicament. I can't focus on what she is saying. It all sounds like words, but the way her voice lints and bubbles has fogged my comprehension. Like a song one hears for the first time and can't remember the lyrics, just the sweet melody. People have their own atmospheres that surround them, and when you find yourself in an enclosed space, yours and theirs tend to mingle. Hers is a tropical getaway that smells of coconut oil and bubblegum. So, anyway, so glad you came by. Looks like I'm making it to the beach party after all. Yay. Not knowing how to respond, I just smile and glance at her in the rear view as I shift the car into drive. And in that half second as my focus slides from the backseat passenger to the road ahead, I see her smile flicker in color, from a glossy salmon pink to a cold bruised purple. The feathery blonde hair to matted dirt cake tingles. I flick my eyes back, and there she is, just existing in the way insanely attractive people do. I agree to drop her off at her friend's house that is near the Hilton Resort Hotel, after some discussion about various street names and landmarks, as both of us are not overly familiar with Dune City to elaborate more than vague geography. After a while, the dense strands of trees thin out, opening the horizon, allowing some visibility of the gentle rolling hills and further east the vast expanse of the Atlantic Ocean. She says her name is Ashley from Costa Mesa, which is somewhere in Southern California. I'm not familiar with it, and feign interest in her exploits there as a student on her way to becoming a child psychologist. She has a strange habit of relating to herself in the past tense, saying things like, I was going to school there, and I wanted to be a child psychologist. I'm not sure if this is a regional thing like how some places it's called pop instead of soda. I of course mentioned at some point that I am a writer, and instead of her eyes going glassy and distant, they focus intensely on mine in the rear view. And so we talk about creative writing, and our various favorite authors landing occasionally on mutually read works. Every so often I will glance in the rear view mirror to make sure she is still there, and not some bizarre yet delightful hallucination. Yet something is not entirely right with Ashley from Costa Mesa, but then I tend to like the odd ones. She asks why I have the heater on on such a beautiful warm day. 
I laugh and say incredulously that it is near freezing out and close to midnight. The thermometer on the dashboard reads 38 Fahrenheit. She gives me an expression in the rear view that tells me she thinks that I am crazy. Then there is that shift again, longer this time, and I hear a shallow sigh that carries with it the smell of dirt and rotting meat. Looking at her now in the rearview mirror makes me feel that way when I am looking at something photorealistic, but infinitesimal details about it are wrong. Little movements, unusual facial expressions creating a dissonance in my mind where I can't quite decide if something is real or not. It was the uncanny valley effect in real life. Ashley is not what she appears to be, I think. Like something pressing against a thin veil, exposing its contours and general shape, yet hiding its true composition. But that's crazy, I think. Trying to extinguish this creeping suspicion with rationale. Now she's inviting me to the beach party that is happening later tonight. The smell of hot coconut oil on skin fills the car, and her voice is so sincere and guileless that Allie's all doubts that it could actually be midday with a slight breeze and balmy 80 degrees out. Her smile in the rear view dazzles me, and I can't help but accept her invitation. Oh, but we need to pick up my friend first. She lives, um, let's see, near the mini golf course with the pagodas? You know those buildings with, like, the curvy roofs in China? She says. China, Japan, Idaho. She could have said, and I would just smile and nod in full idiot agreement. What the hell was wrong with me? Passing the city limits sign now, and we are officially in Dune City. Whatever she was saying before has abruptly ceased to a stillness I am not fully aware of until the road sounds change textures in pitch. She's leaning against the window, looking out at rows of condos, and she begins to drum her hands on the back of my seat, saying we need to go there and right this second. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one that did it, she says quietly and resumes her agitated drumming. I follow her frantic directions through the neighborhood. All the condos look pretty much identical and for the most part seem vacant. Some are rentals, I assume, save one near the end of the block. Flickering light from perhaps a large screen TV is on and Ashley from Costa Mesa demands me to stop, so I do. She bolts from the car. I can hear her feet slapping against the asphalt at a full run and see her blonde hair flying out behind her like white fire. Her movements trigger motion sensors that kick on lights above the garage, making me squint at the sudden brightness and then I lose sight of her. When they dim off, I can see lights coming on inside the house like a procession or a systematic search and finally the front door swings open, revealing a man silhouetted for a brief moment before the porch light flares on. The two of us stare at each other, the one in the house holding a phone to his ear and me, the one in the car nervously wondering what the hell he should be doing. The man in the house is talking while looking out at my car and so does not see what is creeping up from behind him, but I do. He can tell from about 30 feet away that my expression clearly says that he should probably turn around, and just as he begins to do so, he is tackled. The impact and subsequent flailing, reaching grasp causes him to hit the porch light switch, and all I can see is something small, backlit, and feral torpedo into him. The two forms tumble down into a heap of gurgling screams and panic grunts. And from the car, I watch in stunned silence. The figure that is rending this man to shreds is Ashley from Costa Mesa, but not the toxic bombshell I had picked up not 45 minutes ago. This creature is all angles and faded colors, 
It is that shape that is pressing through the veil to finally burst through and reveal not a beautiful young beachgoer, but a rabid, vengeful wraith. I can't look any longer and squeeze my eyes shut as tight as I am gripping the wheel and just sit listening to the sounds of my own choke breathing and wet pecking sounds coming from the front lawn. The staccato drumline of violence is eventually replaced by an eerie nothing and a tension hanging in the air as if this moment in time is waiting for me to do something. Peeking through my eyelids, I see her standing there, a vibrant white tooth smile, which is the only part of her not drenched in blood. She waves at me and then says in clear sing-song notes, Thanks for the ride. See you around. Then she is just gone. No dissolve or fade away. Just poof. Gone. Leaving the pile of meat steaming in the chill night air. I admit that I panicked then and fled the scene knowing that the authorities would not believe a thing about this story of mine. I mean, who would? It may seem cowardly to run away, but images of me in a prison strength straight jacket compels me to leave this one alone. A week passes before I hear anything about it on the news. It seems Mr. Jones had it coming, and the dissonance in my mind abates as the pieces fall into place when I see a lineup of his victims displayed. Among the many young, smiling faces, I see Ashley from Costa Mesa there, and I smile sadly, wishing she could have just made it to that beach party. Well, we hope you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you'd like to keep up to date, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. Also, follow us on our social media pages. You can also show your support for the channel by going to our merchandise store, picking up some items there. Please also take a moment to support our contributing friends who kindly lend their talents to this show. Check out the links in the description as to how you can do this. Until next time, keep it creepy, keep it horrific. <laughs>